This week on Daiwa, we're in Alamaki County. A young rural teacher is found dead in the basement of her schoolhouse. Welcome to Daiwa, the first Iowa-focused true crime podcast, where there's 99 counties and a murder in every one. These are your hosts, Beth LaValle and Allie Tulin. Okay, we are in Alamakee County this week. It is the most northeastern county in Iowa. Have you been? I have not, and I'm just going to say I feel like we're really 10 out of 99 on this whole county thing. I really hope no one is keeping track of how little <laughs> counties we've been to. Yeah, both embarrassed. <laughs> but I maybe have driven through this one, by the way. I We went on a road trip to Wisconsin one time. It's possible, but I kind of <laughs> doubt it at the same time. It's like in the Driftless area. Have you heard of that before? No. I hadn't either, but it's something about <laughs> driving down the Mississippi River... Like, it's a beautiful area to drive down, basically. But I think it's called the Driftless. That's why I think we did, like, a – it was, like, a scenic road trip to Milwaukee. So we took a very long route to get there, which is why I'm thinking we maybe have driven through here. But I don't know. I also feel like when researching this, I found out that one of the towns – or maybe it was the county was called, like, Where Eagles Soar or something like that. And I love that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's cool um i can tell you that according to their website alamakee county is named after alan maggie maybe who was an indian trader and trapper known by the winnebago indians it hasn't been confirmed but that's the rumor it's also home to the effigy mounds and if you don't know the effigy mounds are prehistoric american indian mounds some are shaped in the likeness of different animals like birds and bears And these started to appear in the late woodland period from 400 AD to 1200 AD. It's said that they're both burial and ceremonial mounds. However, it seems that more are ceremonial because only about 20 to 25% contain burial materials, which I'd like to know how they discovered. (laughs) Um, There are over 200 known mounds in the area. And one of the largest is the Great Bear Mound, which is about 137 feet long. And 70 feet wide. Pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I would like to go see those. Yeah. And Alamakee was also home to Dudley W. Adams, who helped found the Granger Movement. After looking it up, I learned the Granger Movement took place in the late 1860s and was organized by farmers who called for government regulation of railroads and other industries. This was because they thought their prices and practices were monopolistic and unfair. Their efforts added to a growing public sentiment against monopolies, which culminated in the passage of the Sherman Act. So Dudley Adams was in Alamakee County, working as the county assessor when he became a top promoter of the Grange. In 1873, he was elected National Master of the Organization. I would love to be promoted National Master of anything. (laughs) (laughs) Can I be National Master of this podcast? You can. (laughs) Yes. He headed the first attempt to legislate railroad freight and helped in framing proposals for fixing rates and outlawing discrimination on that basis. And then he moved to Florida, apparently. Interesting. Interesting guy. All right, let's get to the murder. It's 1921. Warren Harding takes over the presidency from Woodrow Wilson. Famous Iowan actress Donna Reed is born on a farm in Denison, located in Crawford County. Check out our episode? (laughs) Yes. 
And popular comedian Roscoe or Fatty Arbuckle attends a party at the St. Francis Hotel in San Francisco, which at the party, actress Virginia Rapp is fatally injured. Fatty Arbuckle was eventually acquitted of rape and manslaughter, and the scandal derailed his entire career. And I had to include this last one because while researching, Fatty Arbuckle came up on the cover of one of the newspapers in this story that we're going to talk about. But I thought it was crazy because the students at the University of Iowa started a protest and blocked his films from being played on campus. From like this scandal? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, back in Walken, Iowa, a 23-year-old teacher named Miss Inga Magnuson did not return home after a day of teaching at the Bergen District Schoolhouse in early December. Inga lived with her parents, and when she didn't return, her father, E.A. Magnuson, went to the school to search for her. The door of the building was locked, and it was dark. He thought she must have gone to the home of one of her students and traveled back to his house. When she never showed up later that night, he phoned around the neighborhood and still couldn't locate her. He then took his two sons, Ben and Morkin, to the schoolhouse and broke down the door. Still no Inga. They then decided to go to the basement, and there they found her lying in a pool of blood. Her head had been crushed, and lying nearby was a heavy club. It was said the schoolroom was in perfect order. Inga must have tidied up before planning to make her trip home, but the basement showed different signs. It looked like Inga must have been dragged down the stairs and put up a fight for her life against her attacker. After Inga was found, bloodhounds were sent from Waterloo, and at 8 a.m., Sheriff Woodmancy put them on the trail. They used the scent from the club, and the bloodhounds immediately took the search party to the Throst home. No one was at the home, but there was a pin note to the door saying that young Throst had gone to Caledonia. The group entered the house and found a pair of bloodstained overalls in young Throst's bedroom, who went by Earl. The hounds then led the party to a farm over the state lines in Minnesota. This farm had reported that a horse was stolen during the previous night. The dogs kept following the scent and went back into Iowa nearing Postville. Here, the officers phoned the town marshal, who arrested Throst boarding a Chicago, Milwaukee, and St. Paul train. A really fun fact we learned while researching this case is that the sheriff was actually a woman. Her name was Miss Gunda Mattendale, and she was a mother of three small children. She had assumed the office of sheriff in late May of 1921 following the death of her husband, who was the former sheriff. She was appointed by the Board of Supervisors to serve her husband's unexpired term. And because of her husband's followers, the admiration for her, and knowing that three fatherless children needed to be cared for, all influenced the decision of the board. So Miss Mattendale was actually the first woman to serve as sheriff in Iowa. But back to the story... Sheriff Mattendale had directed the search for Throst. The search party eventually brought him back to Walken late that night and smuggled him into the jail unseen, even though 500 people had gathered around to see him. And the newspapers say, quote, Throst, who was arrested by Marshal Bellows at Postville after the posse on a warm trail had telephoned ahead, was returned to Walken late tonight and through a ruse engineered by the woman sheriff was smuggled into the jail unseen. When Thrust was captured, three facts were learned. Number one, the prisoner had the key of the schoolhouse in his pocket. Number two, he was riding a horse stolen from the Danielson farm a few miles from the scene of the murder. Also, the arm of his coat was covered in blood, but he explained this was from killing a rabbit. And the third point was that Thrust may be connected to another case in the area of the Van Brocklins. Thrust made no statement at the time of his arrest. 
On December 14th in Walken, 26-year-old Throst confessed to killing Inga because she, quote, turned him down flatly. Throst confessed in the Alamakee County Jail after being grilled by County Attorney E.F. Piper and the deputy sheriffs for four hours. He said, quote, I had been going with her for quite a while when then Otto Beeler talked her out of it. Of course, he made it as bad for me as he could. If this thing had not happened, we were to have been married next Saturday, December 17th. He then brought up instances where he thought Inga had indicated that she was into him. Quote, I couldn't sleep Sunday night and spent most of the night walking around the vicinity of Dorchester. I went to the schoolhouse late Monday afternoon. The children had all gone home and Inga was alone. We quarreled in the schoolroom. She went into the basement to fix a fire for the night. I followed her and we quarreled again. Picked up a stick and struck her over the head. She turned around again and I hit her two or three more times. Then I left. She did not fight back. Brutal. Yeah. Thrust said he didn't think Inga was dead when he left, but he admitted to looking up train schedules four weeks ago so he knew when to escape. He had been Inga's schoolmate when they were children. He waived preliminary examination late on the 14th and was held to the grand jury without bail. It was said it would be expected for him to be charged with first-degree murder and he would plea mental incompetency. One of the witnesses was Inga's brother, Benny Magnuson, who had broken down the door of the Bergen District Schoolhouse near Dorchester and found his sister's body in the basement. But Thrust's counsel made an appeal that the penalty be light because Thrust was mentally unbalanced. The judge presiding over the case, Judge Taylor, said that he purposefully set the execution date at a distant date to give mental experts an opportunity to observe the prisoner's actions. On December 28th, local papers announced... Quote, Earl Throst gets rope. It was said Judge Taylor sentenced Throst to hang and said he is to pay with his life for the crime he committed, which the judge said was one of the most brutal on record in Iowa. Under Iowa laws, Throst would be held at Fort Madison until March 9th, 1923. Then he would, quote, swing from the gallows. Another interesting fact we saw with this case was the reaction of many counties and how they could protect rural school teachers. On December 30th, 1921, it was reported that the Marshall County Sheriff met with his county attorney and they decided permits to carry revolvers would be issued to all county school teachers who applied for them. The sheriff said he recommended all teachers arm themselves for their personal safety. Inga's and others' attacks inspired the idea. The Iowa State Teachers Association president also released a statement saying, at the very least, that we should give the pupils and teachers of the rural schools safety, protection, and a reasonable degree of comfort in their work. There was also criticism of the school buildings being located in, quote, lonely places. Inga's funeral was held on Monday, December 19th. It was said in the Sioux City Journal that Inga was supposed to have been married in the spring to Otto Peters or Bear, depending on which source you look at, but Inga's father, mother, and sister are all buried in the Waterloo Ridge Cemetery in Dorchester. Well, this was a tough one. We never like attacks on teachers, but are you ready to call taps and ask them our questions? Let's do it. Hey, Taps, thanks for joining. Hello. All right. So we're in Alamakee County talking about Inga Magnuson. First question, have you ever been to Alamakee County? I have. Tell us more. I've been to the mounds. The, are they effigy or effigy? effigy? <laughs> it's the effigy. Effigy. Yeah, the effigy mounds. They're shaped nice. like animals. They're pretty cool. 
Do you have a favorite? The bear. <laughs> nice. Had you ever heard of the Grange movement? Yeah, it was a movement back in the 1800s of farmers and prairie people. It was the first time I had heard of it. So history at your high school wasn't taught? Maybe not. Definitely not Iowa history. <laughs> True. Like we skipped over that. So this was a really sad case. Do you think that the argument for Thrust being mentally unbalanced was legitimate? At that time, remember that psychology and psychiatry is one of the newest sciences. And at that time, the science probably wasn't developed enough to really understand one way or the other. Obviously, we have dealt with insanity defenses for hundreds and hundreds of years, long before Freud and long before modern psychiatry. Have you ever used bloodhounds for tracking? Um, no, not that I can recall. We've used dogs for tracking many, many, many times. And, but most of the dogs that I've used to track are police dogs that are Belgian Malinois or something of that nature. But I do know that there are bloodhounds that do track. And there are still some people that have them and use them to track. I think they're even being used now as cadaver dogs to uh, sniff cadavers. Interesting. How come we don't hear about bloodhounds that much anymore? Or am I just I not know. in the right circles? No, I, I always know. think of those other dogs like at the airport, like when you're going through TSA. Uh -huh. Yeah. Would bloodhounds I mean, bl be superior? Bloodhounds would not be very good police dogs, but oh, okay. I think they're very good tracking dogs. All right. Well, next question. We had a woman sheriff in 1921 in this episode. Very exciting. Have you ever heard about Gunda Martindale? I have not, but in Iowa, the actual modern version of the Iowa State Patrol was started by a woman. And what? so women have been in law enforcement in Iowa for a long time. Tell us more about that. Well, I'd have to go back and research it because it's been a long time ago, but there was a woman that actually was I believe back in the 1920s or 1930s actually helped start the Iowa State Patrol. And I think it was called, um, was it called the Iowa State Patrol back then? Whatever the genesis of that was. Very cool. Would it ever happen today where like a sheriff, assuming he's a man, dies and his spouse would just get a take over? I mean, it's done. It's been done in elected offices several times. Um, now, the person would have to be appointed by the County Board of Supervisors. And if it was far enough away from an election, they would probably call a special election. In most cases in Iowa, the chief deputy would take over as the sheriff if, if the sheriff became incapacitated. That's a, a state, there's a statute that authorizes each sheriff to have a chief deputy in their sheriff's office. What are the requirements to be a sheriff? None really. Um, in the modern era, you have to be able to pass the basic requirements of the Iowa Law Enforcement Academy, but there's actually no age limit on sheriffs, with the exception of being 18. Uh, they can actually serve until they could serve into their 80s or 90s if they wanted to. And I think there have been instances in Iowa where a person had trouble with the Iowa Law Enforcement academy requirements and they were allowed to serve as a non-sworn sheriff in other words they didn't have arrest powers but they could still run the office what did you think of this whole gun permits for rural school teachers thing well back in, you know uh, my grandmother was a rural school teacher back in the day and she was probably five miles away from any town i mean i kind of get it 
not only just for, I mean, bad people, but even just wild animals or whatever, because they would have been out there in those rural one, one room schoolhouses by themselves and help would have been the closest farmstead. And before telephones, especially, I don't know what they would have done to call for help. So in favor of guns for rural school teachers. Well, I mean, in that time period, I can see why it was, why it was an issue. That's a tough one to like agree with right out of the mouth, but I, I like your arguments. Like, I think it makes sense once you argue it, but right away, I'm like, wow, my instinct is to not agree with that. (laughs) Do you know why women were not allowed to have permits at the time? It was like 1921. Yeah. If, if they were not at the time, which I assume they were not, it goes back to the whole, you know, there were many things that women weren't allowed to do. I mean, if you're talking 1921, women were only allowed to vote a couple of years earlier than that. So. so it might be a little bit different today in rural school areas, but any recommendations on how rural teachers stay safe today? Most of the, all of the rural schools in Iowa at least have some kind of violence plan because the state department of education mandates it. And of course now there's no rural school district that's not accessible by the county sheriff or the deputies within, I don't want to say a few minutes, because there's some that are pretty far out there, but there's at least help that could be summoned. And frankly, there are very few school districts or buildings anymore that are in rural areas. There are a few, I know of a couple on the western side of the state, but most of them are in some kind of urban area. And by urban, I mean that generously, like a town of a couple hundred people or whatever. Final thoughts on Inga's case. Um, Interesting case, especially for Northeast Iowa and for a fairly rural county, the mental health issue. I mean, how many times have we talked about this? It's just, it pervades almost every murder that we talk about. All right. Well, thanks for joining. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Oh, hello there. As a marketer, I hate promotions like this. Same and same. But I love content. Me too. So if you like our content, give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, note, fax, literally anything you think would help us continue making Daiwa a success. Thank you, thank you, thank you.